You are listening to the Special Needs Mom Podcast. This is Kara, your host, and I am so glad you're here. Before we get into this episode, I want you to know that Pathway to Peace, which is a group coaching program, is currently available to join. This program is built on three main pillars. First, coaching. It's the real powerhouse. It's what I do. It's what I love. Second, community. And if you've been around for a little bit more than a minute, you know how I feel about community and the power that it has to heal and change your life. And lastly, I have a library of content filled with resources, with modules, with lessons. We go way deeper than I can go in on the podcast. And these are available to you in a way that you can consume them in your busy life. This program would be a good fit for you if you've stabilized past the point of initial diagnosis and find yourself spending a little bit more than you'd like to in overwhelm. And you can't imagine how, given all the things in your life, you can have any sort of peace ever again. Through the program, you will gain the gift of acceptance. You will do the work to recover your spark. You'll leave the program with the tools and the confidence that you have what you need to have joy and peace part of your life once again. So it's time to change it up. I know you've been saying yes to everybody, especially serving with all your heart and everything you have to your child. Now it's time to say yes to you. Find the link in the show notes to get more information and for next steps. Hi, I'm Kara Riska, life coach, wife, and the mother of four incredible and unique kids. It wasn't all that long ago that my son received a diagnosis that had my world come crashing down. I completely lacked the ability to see past the circumstances, which felt impossible, and the dreams I once had for my life and family felt destroyed. Fast forward past many years of surviving and not at all thriving. And you'll see a mom who trusts that she can handle anything that comes her way and has access to the power and grace that once felt so completely lacking. I started the Special Needs Mom podcast to create connection and community with moms who find themselves up against what feels impossible. My intention is to spark the flare of possibility in your own life and rekindle the dreams that you hold impossible now. This isn't a podcast about your special needs child. This is a podcast about you. If you're a mom who feels anxious, alone, or stuck, then you are in the right place. Welcome. Welcome to the first official episode of the Special Needs Mom Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to have a lot of fun. One of the things that my son uh, reflected to me is like, Mom, that music is way too fun for a serious podcast. And I was like, son... That's where you've gone wrong. This is going to be a fun podcast. There's a lot of heaviness, I think, around the conversation about parenting and all the requirements of being a special needs mom. And I really want no part of that. I mean, of course, there is the part where it is serious. And and of course, we go there. And I feel like let's also bring the fun and the light and the possibility. And that's what we're going to do here and every episode after. The reason I started this show is that 
talked to mom after mom who has a child with special needs and hear the same things over and over and over again. A lot of us feel like nobody understands. We have close friends or family. They don't understand the diagnoses, the medical speak. And literally, I've had close friends be like, I don't understand what you're talking about, which is totally okay. I would never expect them to, to like totally get it. Like, you know, there's a lot of big words that come with my son's diagnosis. And it is interesting, though, that that a lot of people just don't understand, right? So whatever the actual diagnosis is, whether it's behavioral or whether it's medical, medical, it becomes hard to really feel like people get it, right? So we feel like we have this exception. And it kind of becomes an isolating thing. So I really want to bring a voice to that and hit it from two angles, actually recognize that yeah, a lot of people don't understand. And you're also not a unicorn. The feelings that you have about being a mom of the children that you are a mom of, guess what? We all feel that way. And so I feel like by actually acknowledging both sides of it, it can be really powerful and create a lot more connection because we're not stuck feeling like nobody understands. With the whole nobody understands thing, it can create a lot of loneliness. And this I also see because when, when you're parenting a child that has, especially with behavioral challenges, it can become a little nerve wracking to go out and do the things that a lot of families do, whether it's being limited physically or when you just have explosive behaviors, it can start to feel a little bit lonely. Again, like nobody understands And I find that there's uh, certainly for me, things come up when my child doesn't fit into the social norms. I get a little anxious. I get a little, oh my gosh, we're not doing this right. And I really have to calm it down and, and really kind of put things back in perspective. But the anxiety and overwhelm, they can be debilitating. There's legitimate extra needs that are on your plate every day. And in my case, it happens to be shots and medication management and, of course, a lot of behavioral challenges. And this can, it can feel like a lot. It can, it can start to feel like, oh my gosh, I have all these extra things, so therefore I can't take care of myself. That's just an example. But that's the kind of stuff that comes up and it's totally understandable. I totally get it. But if we stop there, if we stop at letting that taking care of yourself be impossible, then I don't know how else to say it, but that sucks for you. And that sucks for everybody around you. And I'm an adamant believer that that's not where we stop, that it is 100% possible. And I get it. You have a lot of really legitimate reasons of why you can't. And also the shame of the should, right? Like we're really going to get rid of that conversation of like, oh, you should be doing this. But, you know, for one reason or not, you haven't yet. That's just not fun. I like to identify or label, if you will, the moms I work with as warrior moms. That's how I identify as myself. I don't know. It just, it for me, puts it into a picture of... Someone on the battlefield is so willing to die, first of all, and so committed to the cause that they're fighting for that they are willing to die. 
And maybe they didn't do anything to actually be in that situation, right? That they are completely unresponsible for being finding themselves on the battlefield. Yet they come to the battle. They have the sword in hand and they choose to go all in. And that for me is what feels really good. And that's how I want to be as a mom, a warrior for what is possible for myself and of course for my children. And I want you to think of this podcast as a place that it's kind of an unconventional support group. I don't know about you, but when I think about a support group, I think about a lot of people not having a lot of answers, just having a lot of really sad stories and and hard things that they're up against. And of course, there's a lot of power in listening and just being with people. But for me, I want the action too. I want to hear the stories and I want to be like, okay, so now what? And leave feeling more hopeful and leave feeling like, okay, I've got this. And leave feeling like, okay, okay, this is going to be okay. And I know everybody's story is so unique. Even if you have a very similar diagnosis, every person has a very similar, or excuse me, different story. And again, so it becomes hard to find a place to belong. But I think what you're going to see is that no matter the difference of the, the actual content of the story, the things that happen as moms in the inner workings of who we are and that spirit in the mind and the body are all very similar. So as we go into each episode, we're going to be focusing on how to really create your own lifeline, right? So in life, you're finding yourself managing all the needs of your children, all the needs of your husbands, and probably of your career. You have aspirations in all those areas. And you feel really overwhelmed and anxious, almost dizzy, not even knowing how you're going to get through the next big problem, or let's just face it, like the next series of appointments that you have to go to, whether it be therapy appointments, or whether it be surgeries, or injections, or whatever it is, right? The things that come up that are truly extraordinary, they can feel like such a block to creating a life that's truly fulfilling and joy-filled. I want this podcast to be your lifeline to be the place where you get inspired and encouraged. And as we connect to each other's journeys, we get to actually step out of being a victim and step into a position of responsibility for your own life. Not responsibility as like, I'm going to be a responsible person and drive the speed limit. But a responsible person actually looks at something and says, I can versus I can't or versus it's not possible. So now that we have a little bit of a point of reference of what my vision for this podcast is, I'll tell you a little bit about my story and how I got to be here and really kind of the big picture of what's inspired me to uh, kind of how I identify as a, as a mom of a special needs child. So back as far as I can remember, being a mom was really the only thing I ever dreamed about. I fully envisioned that I would be a stay-at-home mom, which I think is great because it was a little delusional knowing that I was going to live in San Diego, married to a teacher. Anyhow, I really only ever aspired to be a mom. I really never had a lot of professional aspirations. It was always about being a mom. So 
In 2007, I became a mom for the first time. It was amazing. And then again in 2009. And then almost three years later, uh, again, I became pregnant. But during that pregnancy, I had the worst conversation I've ever had of in my entire life. And it was a sit down kind of conversation. And actually, my son, Levi, he was just over two at the time. He was two and three months. And he become un- became unwell. And it was at the end of July. And I just remember it being so hot and so warm and being the experience I was having inside taking care of this child, being newly pregnant, also taking care of a two-year-old was just, it's just, I can still feel it, right? And so he became unwell and I kept taking him to the doctor and doctor kept saying everything's okay. And then it was the sit down conversation, which was our third time to the doctor where the doctor sits you down and tells you that there's a mass in his brain, that they have treatment options, and that the transport team is coming so that we can bring him to the the local children's hospital so that he can get the best care that he needs. And it's that picture of me sitting there in that, that hospital room is so vivid and it, it's just that moment where my life turned from basically perfect to not believing or to being in disbelief that this was happening to me. It was almost, I could say, like the worst dream I could ever have. I remember thinking before of like, what if something ever happened to my child? I just can't even imagine, right? A lot of people even would say, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Well, guess what? Neither could I. <laughs> And so everybody kept telling me during this time I was so strong and they didn't know how I was surviving and they said I was so brave. And this is during the early days, right, where he's still in the hospital and we're still in the fight. And the truth was I wanted to run away. I wanted to run into a cave and never come out. I was so scared. It felt too hard. It was something that I just didn't think I could face for the rest of my life. So Levi was admitted to the hospital. We'd stayed five days waiting to have a craniotomy. He had a successful craniotomy and he then went into recovery. His particular type of brain tumor doesn't respond to radiation, excuse me, chemotherapy. So really the only treatment was craniotomy. And if that wasn't successful, then it would be radiation. This particular tumor basically was in the very center of his head. So the approach to resection was quite aggressive. And we had a miracle worker for our neurosurgeon. And we are so profoundly thankful for Dr. Levy. And he is just this Goliath of a man. And I remember when he came to do the the pre-op conversation before they were going to take Levi into surgery. He just exuded this confidence of, I've got this. This is what I do every day. I'm going to go take his tumor out and then we'll be done. And I, I just am so thankful for the, the belief I had in him that he had my son in his hands, that he actually was not 
that he was fully capable of doing what needed to be done for my son. And I'm still thankful for the gift that he was to us. So after this craniotomy, it became apparent that there was um, some secondary brain damage or what we would call a surgical stroke as a result of the tumor being vascularly connected to Levi's brain. Turns out you need all of your brain. And so we had about a two-month hospital stay where we were most of the time in recovery. There was a couple, of course, bumps along the road. And essentially, we figured out that Levi lost all mobility on his left side. And early in uh, recovery days, his eye wasn't opening again. So there's some nerve damage. And we would soon find out or eventually, actually, it was a year, uh, over a year until we found out that Levi was fully blind in his right eye. And I think it's so interesting how how all of the impact of the surgery rolled out. It was literally over years. We didn't understand the, the day after his surgery, we didn't understand that he lost mobility. We had no idea he was blind. We had no idea the behavioral impacts or the, the impacts that his brain damage was going to have on his behavior. And again, I'm thankful. I don't know that I could have actually digested all of that at one time. And yeah, it's been continual uh, experiences of grief as it feels like there's been certain things that have been lost of what, you know, feels like shouldn't happen. But for us, for me, it's been really actually great having it not be a sudden blow impact and actually having little things along the way that, of course, there's things to celebrate. And then, of course, there's things to grieve. We were in recovery for basically we still are. (laughs) We are still in recovery. Actually, it's something that, you know, with any brain damage, the actual recovery period at the, the time after his surgery, they said it was about 18 months of where they expected his brain to continue to recover. And now we've really transitioned into not necessarily recovery, but a reconnection. So we transitioned from recovery to now kind of what we are in now and is just our life. And our life includes still a lot of therapy um, in the form of physical therapy, occupational therapy, a little bit of speech therapy, actually a lot bit of speech therapy as they're really focusing on the social social pragmatics, if you will. And as there's some areas where there's some definite deficits and of course the behavioral aspect and really the reconnection of, of what was lost. And for me in parenting this child, one of the things that has been most helpful for me recently has been separating the concept of what I'm responsible for is when you have a child that goes to school and breaks things and steals things, it's easy bec- to, to be the mom to, for me, it's like, well, how do I handle this as a mom? Like I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. And I'm a person that likes to do the right thing. And when there's like literally no answer, it can become very emotionally overwhelming for me. And something that's been really valuable was the idea of separating out that I'm responsible for teaching Levi and I won't ever stop. Just like the warrior mom that I am, I'm going to find everything that's helpful for him and I'm going to love him fiercely and teach him 
and he's responsible for learning. So what that means is I could be the world's best teacher and he still might slam doors when he's mad or better yet, break doors when he's mad because slamming would be like way too tame. And just, I don't know, do you guys get that? Like, so the difference of like, I am responsible for teaching him, but I am not responsible for him learning. And I don't know, it might take a second to let that absorb in, but really it's shifting. It's letting go of the control. Like I'm not, I cannot control him. I think we all know that now as parents, like if you could control your children, it would be really easy. You can't, nor would you really want to, right? And so for me, it allows me to show up as fully and authentically as who I am and to love him without attachment to him having to do something a certain way or to meet my standard or to not embarrass me. It, but it allows me to continue to believe in him, that I still believe even though he's not yet learned certain things, I believe it's possible for him. And so I get to show up relating to him as his highest and best. And I also don't have to get mad when he doesn't act like I want him to. I have to realize he just hasn't learned that yet. And this is a little bit of why I became a coach, right? And I remember early before I I was a coach, I remember thinking, okay, I have this child now and we have some solid circumstances that are kind of in the way of the life that I want. And so now what? And I I was just diving into, I think, what I was looking for as answers of how do I emotionally get through this? How do I uncover more of who I am so that I can uncover who he is? And of course, my other children as well. But just so happens, like any big obstacle, it really shows you the big places that you're stuck. And this was a big obstacle. And so I became a coach. I thought, okay this is the thing where coaches actually look at a circumstance. And instead of saying, how do we solve that problem? A coach looks at things differently. Instead of looking at a problem as a problem, we actually just let it be what it is. It's just a circumstance or it's just what we think is a problem. And we recognize the actual area of opportunity is how we're relating to that problem or the circumstance or the people or whatever it is. And it's only in that awareness of how we're being with something where we can access our own power and change. And there's a lot more involved in in coaching and, and all that. And of course, if you have any questions, reach out. But for me, that's why I became a coach is because I needed the answers for how I was going to live the rest of my life and not be stopped by this thing that felt so big and that I had no power over. I knew I couldn't change the tumor because trust me, I would have. And I wasn't willing to give up the dreams that I had to do that. That's what this podcast is about is it's going to actually really be looking at circumstances that come up in our life, and how we want to relate to them in a way that gives our own that takes our power back, that actually moves from being the victim of what, you know, things happened to you, you got this child, or diagnosis. Sounds funny when you say you got this child. And so now what? I'm going to be doing regular episodes each month. My intention is one a week. That sounds pretty ambitious right now, but we're going to do it. And you can expect to hear stories of other moms just like you. And of course, solo episodes where I get to just talk to you and bring a conversation that 
has brought value to me. And I trust it'll bring value to you. And something I want you to take away from today is that whether you recognize the challenge or circumstance in your life as actually just a challenge or circumstance, it's not actually the thing stopping you from experiencing the life that you want. It feels so like real when let's just say I'll use Levi's brain tumor or let's even just use his behavior. That's a little bit closer to me now, right? It feels so like, I feel like I could talk to any friend and be like, oh my gosh, like it is so impossible to be happy when I have a child that is breaking all of my things. (laughs) And most of my friends be like, yeah, that'd be like really hard. Right. But the actual problem is how I'm relating to it is not actually accepting that I have a child that breaks things and recognizing that we automatically put labels of good or bad. Right. So even probably as you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, and that's a problem. And I could totally side with you on that. But really, it's like when we when we step back and recognize that that actually is not the problem, that Because I think that it's a problem that Levi breaks things becomes the big problem. And then I become very angry or very frustrated or very, fully very powerless. But I can choose to have a different relationship with the circumstance that my son breaks things. And that gives it all back to me. And it's totally a process. And I hope this makes sense to you. And if it doesn't, let's talk. And, but it has been the thing that has totally changed my life and of course the lives of my clients. And I think it brings, it brings power and it brings light and I think it brings possibility. So of course, I want to be here with you and answer any question that you have and let me know what you want to hear about. Of course, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor by subscribing to this podcast of course, rating it and then sharing it. We all of us podcasters ask this question because this is how we actually get people um, the gift of this podcast. And like I said, I'm going to be doing regular episodes. It would really mean a lot if you would subscribe and rate and share. We're going to wrap up today. I'll actually think it'd be interesting to give all the different diagnoses that my son has. I'll put those in the show notes if you are interested in the more technical aspects. We're a pretty open book. Uh, Levi loves to share about his life. And so I share freely with his um, openness. Let me know. Let me know what you thought about this. Thank you so much. One more thing before we officially, officially wrap up this show. Sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I have the experience of wanting more. I'm listening at the very end thinking, I sure wish that episode didn't end. I invite you, if you feel in any way the same way, I invite you to the Special Needs Mom podcast community, which is a free group that I host on Facebook, where we as a community of fellow moms who listen to this podcast and are experiencing life in similar shoes, get to talk to one another, get to share stories, get to actually interact. I hope you'll consider joining. See you over there.